Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Because your people are anointed to receive, and together faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Uh, very few times do I have um, prophetic messages. Which, what I mean by that is because I'm a teacher by default or by calling, very few times do I have very specific word of the Lord to teach. And um, this is one of such times where the Lord specifically gives me uh, a word to teach. So I, I want you to pay very close attention because I believe that it's not just going to be in the teaching, but there's going to also be a very strong impartation for emotional healing, soul healing, and just healing of hearts tonight. Amen. Can you hear me clearly? Alright, praise God. Now, now uh, we're talking on forgetting the past and embracing the future. Forgetting the past and embracing the future. Forgetting the past and embracing the future. This is a message that every single one of us needs to be able to get into the future that God has for us. And I want to use the case of Apostle Paul as a study, a case study for tonight. So go with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 will be our anchored verse. Philippians chapter 3. And we are going to start reading from verse 12. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. It says, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect. Here was Paul writing. He says, I haven't become perfect yet, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. And, and it's interesting to, when you look at the second part of that verse, it says, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. That means that there was a reason Christ laid a hold of me. There was a reason I got born again. There was a reason God called me unto himself. And I'm pressing into God so that the reason God got a hold of me would come into fusion or would come into manifestation. Verse 13. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. It goes back on that same word. Uh, verse 12 says, uh, it's not that I'm perfect. The Greek word is teleos. It means matured or a place of completeness. Then it says, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I want you to pay very close attention to those two words. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I forget this is the one thing I do. I have not come to the place of perfection yet. But there is one thing I am actively engaged in doing. That's forgetting what is past and pressing to what is ahead. Your life is essentially made up of three faces. Everybody's life is made up of three faces. Number one, 
Your life is made up of your past. Your life is made up of your past. Now, when we talk about your past, we're referring to two things. Your past would constitute what you did or what people did to you. What you did or what people did to you. They would constitute your past. Uh, the second phase of your life is what you call the present. The present would constitute what you choose to do with your memory. The present would constitute what you choose to do with your memory. What you're doing right now, what are you actively doing right now would be your present. So your past will constitute of what you've done or what people did to you. Your present will constitute of what you choose to do with your memory or what you're doing now, actively now. Your future would be a result of your actions and how you take advantage of the grace of God. So your future is primarily determined by what you're doing right now and how you take advantage of the grace of God. Let me explain this to you and I've tried as much as I can in the church to let you know that you are actively responsible for your future. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you here or you're going home? Alright. You are actively responsible for your future. Let me explain something to you. Nobody gets up and says, have you seen somebody praying? And say, can you share your prayer request with us? And he says, um, man of God, I just need one thing in this life. Say, what do you need? I need a very terrible future. Have you seen anybody pray like that way? You have seen? Praise God. Or have you seen somebody say, uh, uh, raise one prayer point. Then you say, then the person say, I want a future that is so terrible. Even me, I want to kill myself. Have you heard anybody pray that way? So that tells us, have you heard? The way you are quiet. Or you, you have prayed like that. Okay, just want to be sure. <laughs> now, now the, the truth of the matter is, uh, many people never wish to have a terrible future. But that's just about it. That's just about it. They don't do anything actively to create a better future. In fact, and this is why this message is important, many people have a terrible past which they don't want to repeat in the future. But they actively use their mind to bring the past into the future to the extent that their past recreates their future and they end up living in their past all the rest of their lives. So, you grew up in an abusive home. You grew up in a poor environment. Instead of forgetting that and laying hold on why Christ laid hold of you all of your actions are predetermined by the environment you came up from. And that's why all of us need this message. Because every one of us here needs to forget our past and lay hold on our future. And embrace the future. And I'll show you how. And I'll show you how. Uh, we have underestimated the control of our past. Even in our lives. Sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we just shove it aside. But if you ask a lot of people, their decisions in the future is actually controlled by their past. There were three, there were three key positions Paul had. Number one, he says, I do not consider myself to have attained or I do not consider myself to have come to perfection. And we are all in a journey. Our places in the journey differs. 
their levels of maturity, but we are all in a journey. There's no one that has come to the place of perfection yet. We are all going towards perfection. We're all in a journey. And it's important for you to recognize that because you should recognize that you're not yet in that perfect state. And if you're not in that perfect state, there should be a level of humility that should be in your heart. There should be a level of humility. You know, some of us act like we've already arrived. Right? Yeah? Some of us act that way. Like, hey, nobody can tell me anything again. I know what I'm doing. You see, 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 23-year-olds, 24-year-olds have a sense of life like they have arrived. 20, you know, if you've lived for 30 years, you're not very old. 30 years is 10 divided by 3. Alright? 10 times 3. So, when divided by 3, you've just lived 10 years 3 times. You're still a child in that sense. But, you know, you look at young people today and nobody wants to bring their life under counsel. There is this, I have a right. And a few hundred thousands. And you're a big boy. Be able to buy a television set. You're good to go. One young girl who has no idea where her life is going agrees that you should use her face as your screensaver. Then you are made for life. You don't listen to cancel anymore. You have come to the place of perfection. Paul says, no, I haven't. I haven't. We struggle with accountability in our generation because everybody feels like, hey, I know what I'm doing. But when you watch the results of their life, you would really ask yourself, do these people know what they are doing? If you know as much as you profess to know, then your progress should be evident. Right? Are you hearing this? Progress should be evident. You know, an older man, very old man, huge old man, came to the pastor's conference that we had in Ghana. So I finished teaching, I was very tired, so I went into the office. So he came, he told the host, he wanted me to pray for him, so he came. You know, so he just opened the office door and he knelt down. So I stood up, so he said, I want you to pray for me. I said, no, I can't pray for you, stand up. Because I couldn't imagine him kneeling down for me to pray for him. So he stood up. You know, so I engaged him and then I prayed for him standing up. Um, then he left. And my host told me something. He said, I was surprised by your actions. I said, why? He said, because I know younger people who, in quote, don't teach as much as you teach and see so much. And when these men come and kneel down, they just stretch their hands. And bless them. <laughs> I said some things are a product of lack of home training. You don't learn them from the Bible. What have you achieved in ministry? Where have you gotten to? It's a sense of I've come to perfection. If there's something I want you to leave here with tonight, don't leave. With a sense of you're perfect. Don't live with a sense of, you know what? I know everything. I know the direction my life is going. There are many people today whose life would be better if they just humbled themselves a bit and just asked for a little counsel. Just, just a little help. And I'll talk about that in the part two of this message. Because some of the things you need to forget are the things you have also achieved. If you want to embrace the future. But that's part two. So Paul says, I have not come to perfection. I have not. Still learning. If you want to get into the future that God has for you, keep the heart of a learner. Always keep the heart of a learner. Be humble. Keep that heart. Keep that posture. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, talk to me church. Keep that posture of a learner. Just be humble. Number two, 
Paul says, I forget what is behind. You need to use your mind to aid your future. You need to learn to forget your past. Someone say, oh pastor, I've done a lot of bad things. I can't forget. You will forget. You see, because the devil will constantly remind you of your past. For just one reason. To stop you from embracing the future that God has for you. So the child of God must learn to use your mind to aid your future. What did I say constitute of your past two things? What's the first thing? What's the first thing? All of you here, what happened? What's the first thing? Not what I did, what you did. What's the first thing? No, not what you did. It's what, say what I. Or what people did to you. Right. The whole church can't be telling me what I did. I'm not the baddest guy in town. Alright, so what I did or what people did to me constitutes of what? My past. People can generally become prisoners of their past. Your past can hold you in prison. So every time you want to take a positive step, the devil brings out your past. Either what you did or what someone has done. And the momentum to press into your future is stopped. Can I read a verse of scripture to you? Read 1 Corinthians 9.24. Let me show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. Paul was giving the example of a runner. Paul was giving the example of a runner. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. And he says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. There is a way to run to win. Let's imagine right now, and I'm going to talk about that. Let's imagine uh, the time for Olympics, okay? Then they said, it's time for Olympics and you're running. Then you go there with your three-piece suit. Well-dressed. Eh? Are you sure you're going to win the race? You're not, you're not, you're not running in such a way to win. You, you will run, but you're running in such a way to fail. Or imagine somebody is running, but is constantly looking back. You okay? The person is running, but is constantly looking back. Running, constantly looking back. Will they ever come out first? They won't. Even if a dog is pursuing you, okay? You, you look back first. You discover it's pursuing you. You look back again. You discover the dog is pursuing you. You know the next one is to focus on escape. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't look back the third time, right? You look back at first, the dog is pursuing you. Then you look back second time. You realize, oh, it's truly coming. You know, the next set of looks will be focused on what? Your future. How am I going to jump the fence? You know, it's when you have now run to a point where I'm not asking you, what's chasing you? Do not look back to discover, well, you didn't know you have this potential. You cannot... Walk to your future looking behind consistently. You will fail. Listen, child of God, you cannot become the great person God has ordained to be if you keep looking at your mistakes. It's the enemy's strategy to keep you down. Paul says, Hey, I forget. Go back to Philippians chapter 3. I forget one thing I do. I, I understand. I'm not perfect. I understand I've not gone to perfection, but if there's this one thing I know I'm doing, I forget what, what, li- what lies behind and I press to what is, is ahead of me. Verse 13, 3.13. So, many people are prisoners of their past. With your mind, you can, end up, you can either empower your past or you recreate your future. With your mind... You are either empowering your past or you are recreating your future. With your mind, you are either empowering your past or you are doing what? Recreating your future. 
There is nobody who has a great future that was worth it naturally. It was the grace and the mercy of God. You can look at people today and be so inspired and be so, you know, you are almost in awe. But you realize something. They took advantage of the grace of God. They made choices that empowered their future. They forgot what was behind. Number three. Their lives and their decisions and their future, instead of being guided by the future, is indirectly guided by the past. The people who are prisoners of their past, instead of their lives being directly guided by the future, they are what? Indirectly guided by the past. So, you, you actually make your mistakes cause you to make further mistakes. You cause your past to shape your future direction. To shape the decisions you're taking today. To live today... In the past is to deny tomorrow of the possibilities and the future that God has for you. To live today in the past, it's to deny the future of the possibilities and the future that God has for you. To constantly live in the past today, to constantly think of your mistakes to constantly think of what people have done to you. And every day of your life, you are shaped by that decision is to deny tomorrow of the possibilities and the future that God has in it. Child of God, you might be seated there today listening to me and the future looks blank. It looks like there's no hope for you. It looks like, yeah, whatever is going to come out of my life, if you will take a hold of God's word and believe in God and live one day at a time, God is a master of making champions out of failures. He would breathe upon your life. He would give you wisdom. He would give you grace. He would guide you. He would bring people your way. He will bring messages your way. He will bring tools your way to help you get into the future. But you have to be deliberate about forgetting the past. Let's look at a few things that Paul had to forget. Three, three things that Paul had to forget. You know when Paul says, forgetting the past. Hmm? Some of you thought, well, the kind of sins I've committed. <laughs> Paul is learning. Let's look at some of the things Paul had to forget. Go to Galatians chapter 1 and verse 13. Galatians 1 13. Galatians 1 13. Look at what Paul said. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism. You've heard of my former manner of life in Judaism. How I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Look at that testimony. He says, I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and I tried to destroy it. <laughs> Look at his testimony. Imagine having to live every day of your life with the thoughts that you tried to destroy the church of God. Just think about it. Hmm? That when you think of your past, what you remember is that you tried to destroy the church. Say, I persecuted the church beyond measure and tried to destroy it. This was what Paul did. This was what Paul had to live with. This was what Paul had to preach the gospel with. 
Imagine. Every time Paul stands in the pulpit to preach, he remembers, I tried to destroy the church. Hmm? Imagine every time the Prince Flyer, Super Sunday with Apostle Paul. And guys will remember, this was the guy that tried to destroy the church. It's like getting married to someone you try to kill. Yeah? Huh? Or you now got married to a girl who tried to poison you. You know every time you are eating, eating the food, you pray. <laughs> Psalm 91, Father, I know she has repented, but God, just in case. <laughs> that, that's, that's what Paul had to cope with. Every time he went to the, sin, to the church, every time he was preaching, he remembers. In fact, Paul tried to destroy the church to such an extent that it took only God to stop him. No man could stop Paul. God had to hit him on the road to Damascus. The churches were afraid of him. Even when Paul got converted, nobody wanted to listen to him. They thought it was a style for him to come and kill them more. So they were scared of him. That was the past they had to forget. Let me show you another past Paul had to forget. Acts 8.3 Let me show you how he did this. Acts chapter 8 verse 3. And I'm using Paul's life as an example. That if Paul could come out from this and become an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ to write to third of the New Testament, child of God, there's nothing, absolutely nothing God cannot make out of your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Church, listen to me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past is. There is absolutely nothing God cannot make out of your life. If you would follow the things I'm teaching tonight, if you would listen to the word of God, God has the ability to take you. Listen, I mean, you might have been the greatest womanizer this island has ever known. It doesn't remove the fact that God can change your life, give you a brand new life, and you become a model of a perfect Christian. There is nothing God cannot make out of your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's look at how Paul destroyed the church. Acts 8.3 Imagine a pastor preaching. Someone who tried to destroy the church. How do you live with that thought every time you carry the Bible? Every time you ought to preach? Acts 8.3. Look at this. But Saul began ravaging the church. Look at the words that were used. It says, but Saul began ravaging the church. Are you paying attention? Look at this. What is he doing? Entering what? I didn't hear you, church. Entering what? House to house. What was Paul doing? Dragging off men and women that he would put them in prison. Can you see his personal work? Paul would go from house to house and not invite men. Drag men and women out that he would put to prison. Now imagine he gets converted and he has to preach the gospel. Do, do you think that there's a likelihood of Paul getting into a synagogue one time to preach? And one man saw him say, Is this not the guy who dragged my wife? Do you think you listen to his message? Be honest. So imagine God had to change that man to not preach the message. Imagine children sitting and listening to Paul and saying, This was the guy who dragged my father to prison. What are we talking about tonight? Forgetting the past and embracing the future. I just want to tell you tonight, no matter how bad your past has been, no matter how poor you grew up, you know, some, some people grew up so poor, the thought of prosperity never enters their mind. I mean, you are so poor, so poor, so poor that that one person is taking a bottle of Coke looks like an abomination. How can one person drink one bottle? Because, because Everything about Coke was either somebody died or somebody was giving birth to. It, it must be for an occasion. You can't just drink Coke. I mean, you just people drinking Coke and say, What is happening? Say, No, we're just relaxing. See, you can't relax with Coke. <laughs> what is it? Are we, are we doing burial or we're doing wedding? It has to be attached to a ceremony. But you know, you need to forget that past. Come on. I said, You need to forget that past. 
if we're going to embrace the future God has for us, we need to let go of certain things. And your past is either what you've done or what people did to you. Okay? So, the Christians refer to Paul as the one who wrecked havoc in the church. Imagine standing to preach to people who you dragged their mother into prison. Huh? Imagine now, maybe I wasn't a pastor before. Hmm? I was an armed robber. And I come in and drag your father to, to prison. Drag your mother. Do all kinds of stuff. And then one, one year later, you now hear that I'm preaching. See, you will tell, listen, I will listen to every preacher. But that one, I will You know why? Every time you listen to me, what's going to come in your heart? The dragging. <laughs> Some of you are following. The dragging. Huh? But imagine the man having to now preach. God is amazing. God is amazing, saints. Listen, your past has no power over your future except you allow it. I want to show you the man God used to write to third of the New Testament. Was a guy who was dragging people off to prison. Was a guy who destroyed the church. Wrecked havoc in the church. Someone say, Pastor, I've done so very, very bad things in my life. Even the devil is shocked. Well, you are the best candidate for the mercy and the grace of God. You're the one I'm talking to tonight. I'm talking to those who are not already perfect. He says, I forget what is behind. Now, let's look at another thing Paul did. Acts twenty-two twenty. Things Paul had to forget. So, it wasn't like it was very easy for Paul. Acts twenty-two twenty. It's not going to be easy for you, but listen... You know one challenge I want you to take today? Take the challenge of Paul. Every time the devil brings your past up in your memory, just tell yourself, no way, no way, in the name of Jesus. Okay? Just, just take, take, take that part of your mind. Renew your mind. Are you following what I'm saying? Because the enemy is going to use your thoughts to hold you so you can't get into the future. Imagine the man... Who did all of this, right? Pay attention to this. Imagine a man who did all of this. And inside of him was two-thirds of the New Testament. Inside of him was churches. Inside of him was all the letters were writing. Nobody has impacted Christian history as much as Saul. Do you know something tonight? Inside of your life right there listening to me, there are amazing possibilities that will change the world if you can just let go of your past and if you can embrace the future. Nobody can tell what's locked up in your spirit. Nobody can tell the business is inside of you, the church is inside of you, the books inside of you, the orphanages, the schools inside of you. The reason this future has not unveiled is because you're not forgetting the past. So every time you talk about yourself, you talk about yourself from the perspective of the past. You've not allowed the grace and the mercy of God to watch you. You still use your mind, you know. Some people just stay and just off the light. Say, what are you thinking of? I'm thinking of my life. Ah! I used to be a very bad guy. And then they keep doing that. And instead of meditating on the word of the Lord and meditating on the grace of God, what do they meditate on? How bad their life used to be. And they hope to get into the future. You cannot. Don't cooperate with the devil to destroy your life. Look at Acts 22.20. And when the blood of your witness TV was being shared, look at Paul preaching. I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were, staying, who were slaying him. Can you imagine the sight Paul would have behold, beheld? Huh? They were stoning Stephen to death and Paul stood approving and holding. You know, they had to remove their shirts to stone Stephen. It was real stoning. It wasn't like they were throwing... They, they didn't fold paper and throw at Stephen. They stoned this guy to death. I want you to think. You know, it's a gruesome picture, but just think of it a little bit. Imagine someone being stoned to the point where the person literally dies. Imagine how much stoning. Imagine the, the tension, the cries, the breaking of the head, the blood. And Paul held their shirt and said, mm -hmm, one more stone that side, that side, that side. And, and I, I mean, the guy supervised. Listen, he literally supervised 
The killing of Stephen by stones. How do you live with that image in your heart? How do you live with that? How do you now, years down the line, preach love? Don't you think that sometimes when Paul was preaching, the image of Stephen's prayer came up in his mind? Huh? Don't you think sometimes when Paul was sleeping, he would see Stephen being stoned? I don't know how many of you have ever lived in a place where they do jungle justice to thieves. Where they put tire on thieves and they burn them. If you watch it on, 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 online, it's, it's not as gruesome as if you're there. When you perceive somebody's body roasting and you see what gets to you is the, the cries before they die, the gas, the, you know, looking out for help from everybody and everybody's increasing. That's what was happening. You know, the scripture says, Stephen said, forgive them for they know not what they do and Jesus was recommended. That was all between Stephen and us who are Christians. I'm not sure Stephen said that with a smile. Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you think you do that with a stone coming in front of you? No. See, I want you to see how terrible some of the things that Paul participated in would have been for his mind. His mind. So when Paul says, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, he also had to deal. That's why he says, listen, I, I had to forget everything. See, it's deliberate. And that's why I believe that the enemy makes people to do a lot of things in their life just to hold them bound. That's why you see, if you watch a good stuff, you will forget easily. You know, maybe you watch how they were spraying money. The memory comes out of your mind. But if you watch terrible stuff, even if you watch terrible stuff when you are a kid, when you get old, the picture is exact, it's graphic. I think the devil goes over time, working on our memory to make sure we don't forget bad things. So you have to go over time, making sure you forget them. That's why when people hurt you, you, you remember but when people are good to you, you easily forget. You have to make sure you let those hearts go. You know what? If not, there will be indirect ways by which the enemy will control your future. You see, when the Lord tells us to walk in love, it's not because God does not understand sometimes it's tough. It's because He knows that walking in love frees Him to be able to direct our future. What God has planned for you is so great. You can't allow your mistakes to tamper with it. You can't allow who hurt you to tamper with it. You can't allow who um, offended you to tamper with it. Strife will come. Offense will come. The enemy will walk over time to get us at loggerheads with each other. But the future is so bright. We've got to forget it. I think for the Christian, there's nothing like, I can forgive but cannot forget. I think for the child of God, it's forgive. And forget so the grace of God can go to work in your life. Can you say amen? amen? Paul referred to himself in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 as the worst of sinners. That's how he referred to himself. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. says, I am the worst of sinners. That's how he called himself. It's trustworthy statement. Deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Among whom I am foremost of all. That means when it comes to sinner's category, I top the charts. This is who God used as an apostle. You know, I was driving, I was with my dad. And I was just telling, I was just telling my dad that, I mean, I just thank God for the grace of God over my life. Because <laughs> we drove past a, a bishop, he's a bishop now. And I said, I remember what I did to this man's church. And the causes the man lead. I said, but thank God, none of those causes came. It was Christmas Day. We weren't doing Christmas. So I'd saved some money to, to do knockouts. So I bought knockouts. So <laughs> I've forgotten. I'm just telling you the story so you can, but I've forgotten. <laughs> you know, so they were doing Christmas service. So I threw knockouts 
inside the church. Literally like two, three knockouts inside the church. And they went, bah, bah, ah, the man laid course. <laughs> he laid course. The man was just laying courses. So, <laughs> and they used to take light from us. So, so when one of the pastors came, so I told the pastor, you know, so I just told the pastor that uh, it's like light will not work. So he was, he was, ah, try now, try your best. So I just said, God, you know, if I'm giving them light, you forgive me. You know, so I give them light. But, I mean, that might be out of ignorance or whatever, whatever. But what I'm just trying to say is, there are things we've done that if we look at the natural consequences of it, God shouldn't even allow us stand to preach the gospel. But His mercy, His grace, is at work in our life. All of us seated here tonight, we're the product of the grace of God and the mercy of God. But don't frustrate that grace by constantly bringing your past. If Christ has forgiven you and the blood has been shed, forget it and press into the future. Are you following that? And press into the future. I'm saying this because I sense in my heart that God is about to just give some of us here visions that look almost impossible. And just give us dreams that look impossible. And sometimes in the next 10 years, in the next 15 years, you look back at your life and say, look at what the Lord has done. But you see, that will not happen if you keep using your mind to remember your past. When you remember the past, let it be as jokingly as I'm sharing the, the knockout story. Alright? What was the defining moment in Paul's life? First Timothy 1, 13-14. Pay attention to this. What was the defining moment? What can change your life? First Timothy 1, 13. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, that means insult the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me. Because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Verse 14. Oh, how generous. Come on, everybody say, how generous. Say it one more time. Say, how generous and gracious our Lord is. Praise God. God is generous. He's gracious. He filled me with faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. Listen to me, child of God. Your knowing Jesus is the defining factor in your life. It's what changes everything. It's what changes your story. I'll tell you this. As I stand here tonight and preach to you, I'm excited about what the future holds because I'm pressing towards the mark by which Christ laid hold of me. The reason God caused you to be born again in your family, lay hold on it. The reason you know Jesus, lay hold on it. Don't let your past hold you down. Don't let your past get you down. Look at the future by God's word. Let me give you this quickly. The next defining moment is the use of your mind. Ten things or nine things you have to do. Or just thoughts that came up in my spirit. The first defining moment is the grace of God. Knowing Jesus changes everything. Having a personal relationship with God changed everything for me. Changed everything for me. Grace, the grace of God is made available to you now. And tonight, as we, um, when I get to the end of the message, we're just going to spend time to worship and just minister to one another. And if there are hearts and bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, God will let it go. Don't let it get a hold of you. Maybe there was a rape incident. Maybe there was an abortion. Maybe something. Maybe somebody abused you. Somebody was not there for you. Some, maybe something that is so terrible. Maybe you prayed and God didn't answer one of your prayers. Don't, tonight is not the night to go home with those things. It's to drop them at the altar and press towards the mark. Your future is so bright, you can't allow the past stop it. Your future is so bright, you can't allow your mistakes to stop it. You make up your mind that from today, I set my heart on the cause that I'll follow. I'll follow Christ. I'll make the right decisions. And today will be the turning point. We all have that day where we choose our turning point. And don't allow the devil get in the way of your destiny. Number one, the devil will constantly remind you of your past actions or your decisions or what people did to you. It's the devil's job to constantly remind you. But this man was wicked to you. Right? But this guy did this to you. 
And that's why we forgive by faith. The devil will always remind you. But this is what you did. You are not qualified. But this is what you did. Okay? The devil can actually make you suffer thinking you are paying for your sins. Listen. You cannot pay for your sin. That's why Jesus came. Come on. Did you hear me? You can don't say, I'm suffering like this. Leave me like this. It's because of the evil I've committed. No. That's a lie. That's why Jesus came. None of us can pay for our sins. None of us should pay for our sins. When we invite the Lord Jesus into our life, when we accept His sacrifice, and we walk in His way, and we walk in His world, His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness and sets us on the course that we should follow. Number two, the effort of the devil to keep your, your memory in the past is so intense. So also you must, di- you must make diligent effort to stick, take your stand in who you are in Christ Jesus. Instead of helping the devil by flooding your phones with all kinds of pictures and all kinds of movies. Why don't you put in the word of God? Why don't you put in the word of God? Why don't you take that same diligent effort and just listen to message? And just feed your faith? And just read the word? Listen, if the devil has a chance, he will take you out of this world. If the enemy has a chance, he will make you frustrated and make sure you don't fulfill purpose. Why don't you also take a stronger stand that you're going to fulfill purpose? Praise God. Why don't you also take a stronger stand? I'm going to learn God's word. I'm going to do God's word. So the enemy will, will keep that effort to keep, your, to keep your memory in the past. It's intense. He will remind you. That's why you have to study God's word until your mind is totally renewed by the word of God. See, if God has poured his grace upon your life, if he has shown you the beauties of the Christian faith, why are you turning back? What's, what's there in the world that you actually miss? Number three. If you keep record of your past and you live there, you cannot and will not be able to walk in the price of the high calling God has for you. If you keep a record of your past and you live there, you will not be able to take um, to walk in the price of the high calling that God has for you. You know, sometimes I talk to pastors and young pastors that I mentor and all of that. And sometimes they're quick to bring up their past. Oh, pastor, you know I'm this because of that. I'm this because of that. And sometimes I have to tell them, you know what? God has called you. God has cleansed you. Talk about your future. Don't talk about your past. There are people today who are afraid of getting married because they grew up in a home that was not so beautiful. You are allowing your past to control your future. There are people who are scared of loving because all the guys they loved had daggers and knives and, 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 and pinches. Alright? They removed the door of your heart. They did not only break it. You know, if they broke your heart, we can actually mend it together. What, they, they, they ravaged your heart as Paul ravaged the church. They broke the door, took pinches, removed every nail. In fact, you have become heartless. You don't have heart. So there's nothing to even give to someone. That's why Jesus came to, to heal your heart, to give you a brand new heart. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, some of you were so good until you met very wicked people, then you became worse. You know, you, know you can learn wickedness. Say, I used to be good though. If you had met me five years ago, you'll be happy. But now, <laughs> this laugh is not even from my heart. That's why you're in church tonight. God wants you to laugh from your heart. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, some of us have been so hot that we are now a picture of the hot. We didn't meet the people that hurt you, but we can see them in you. You are now created in the image and the likeness of the wicked man you met. You are now in the image and the likeness of the wicked father you had. You are now in the image and the likeness of the wicked mother you had. But God wants to change that image. God doesn't want you to reflect your past. He wants you to reflect the future. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You need to learn to laugh again. You need to learn to be happy again. God has been good to you. He's kept you alive. He's brought you to a good church. He's blessed you. He's put wonderful people around you. You need to let your past go so you can enjoy the present. You know, some of you can't even laugh enough because you're not sure this joy is going to last. So it's like you're spreading the laughter. Just, just laugh a bit. I'll take a bit tomorrow. I'll take a bit tomorrow. You know, some of us have lived so much in, in hearts that we just feel anybody's going to hurt us. 
You know, we can't even accept good people into our life anymore. We don't trust anybody anymore. You know people like that? Say, I don't trust anybody. It's only myself I trust. Only me in this world. Me and God, we are majority. <laughs> you, you are minority actually. <laughs> because the majority that God has brought is the people he's brought into your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is not going to give you shortcuts. He's going to allow people to come into your life again. He's going to allow pastors and leaders and friends to come into your life. You've got to let go of the past so you can embrace the future. Praise God. I believe that as Paul was preaching, there were places he went to and people were pointing fingers. I say he's not preaching. Don't mind me. Be preaching, preaching, preaching. After I has killed my mother, wicked man. <laughs> I believe. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That there were places Paul would have gone to preach, and people would say, "God, we punish you." I know you are preaching new creation. You will go to hell. In my mind, my father died because of you, wicked man. <laughs> Who are you writing letter to? <laughs> I believe there were times they would have read letters and say, "Paul wrote this letter to the Roman Christians or to the saints in Corinth." And someone say, who wrote the letter? Say, Paul. Say, which Paul? Say, I'm the one that is okay. Say, I'm not, I'm not hearing. Say, what I don't hear will not affect me. Let me just go home. I'm telling you. There are people who would have had that response to Paul. But you know what? That doesn't change the fact that he's now born again. That doesn't change the fact that God has forgiven him. People might not accept you because they think you will never change. But you know what? It doesn't change the fact that you are the beloved of the Lord. It doesn't change the fact that the anointing of God is on your life. It doesn't change the fact that God has called you and anointed you to the nations. And the power of God is at work in you. Glory to God. It doesn't change the fact. But you don't cooperate with the devil. Whenever the thoughts of your past come, tell yourself, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. The future is bright. I'll make better choices. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Number four. What's more important to you? Your past or the future? If the future is important, press diligently to build a spiritual life. Listen to tapes. Come to church. Hear the word. Hey, saints, You've served the devil long enough in your past. Why don't you serve God? Hmm? The way you used to take girls to club, bring girls to church now. The diligence with which you used to make sure they had transport fare. <laughs> huh? You are not late for the club. You help them to turn on the lights. Why don't you come and serve God with that same diligence? Hmm? You know, some of us, we're so passionate about saving the world. But we're so, we, we have apathy towards the things of God. See how diligently you executed evil. You trekked for miles out of love. Gave your last transport and was still trekking. They felt sorry for you. You said, no, just keep it. Uh-uh, why, cannot, why will I not trek if I love you? What is this, this small distance from Finima to, to, to Boni? It's small now. You know where we used to trek from farm? Just keep the transport. That's how much sacrifice you made for the world. Why would you do less for God? Why would you do less for God? Praise God. I said praise God. Be more diligent. You listen to worldly songs all the time. There was hip hop always in your room. Just going 24 hours. You bought all the DJ mix. Why don't you have all the messages? You see the same effort you put into evil. Put into good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Put into good. You know, sometimes people look at me and they're like, Ah, Pastor, you are trying, you know, I wonder how you cope. And I'm like, Cope with what? Uh, cope exactly with what? Ah, you must be stressed. Do I look like it? I enjoy what I'm doing. Because you know what? I know the route I was in before. I know the route I was in before. <laughs> I know the route I was in before. I know what I wanted to do. I didn't want... You see, see, let me tell you. I didn't want to become a pastor. Grow up in a pastor's home. I wanted to do everything so that God would not call me. So I was intentional in the things I was doing. The things God hates. If God hated something, I want to do it so that he won't call me. Do you understand that? <laughs> you know, thank God I failed my first jump. Because it wasn't the courtes that were going to come and look for me. I would have gone to look for them. Say, how did they join you now? I'm telling you. They weren't going to look for me. (laughs) 
You know, before I got into the university, I had talked with people. I had learned so much about the Black Axe confraternity. I had known their rules. I had known, I had known what you would do, the kind of people they like. I would have used my brain for them. Because I knew that if you were intelligent, I mean, you could write an exam for them and you just go scot-free in school and you just be fine. I was the one that was going to look for them. They were not going to find me. You see, that's why when I do the gospel, I don't have breaks. Because I know what the grace and the mercy of God has done in my life. You see, this issue about encouraging you to serve God is because you, were, you have not really understood the extent of grace that God has given to you. You know, people look at my life right now and say, I think you are very busy. I have not started. Like, I have not, literally not started. What else am I living for? What else do I want to do in my life? Nothing impresses me than preaching the gospel. Are you still here? Number five. Know who you are in Christ. That the old man is dead. 2 Corinthians 5.17 The old man is dead. Perished and forgiven. You are a new person in Christ Jesus. It says, all things have become new. A new man in Christ. I'm a new man in Christ. Now, I remember when I started feeling the, the call of God in my life and I ran and I left home and for one year, my parents, nobody knew where I was. I didn't want to be anything around God. See, that's why I'm not doing ministry because I'm a pastor's child. No, I have a personal relationship with God. And you see, that's one thing I know. Nobody can run outside of the mercy and the hand except God doesn't want you. Except God doesn't have a hand in your life. If God has a hand in your life, His mercy would always find you. You see, but that's not an excuse to keep on sinning. It's rather a decision to say, listen, the grace of God in my life will not be in vain. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Know who you are in Christ. The old man is dead, perished, and forgiven. You are a new person in Christ Jesus. You make up your mind. You realize that you are a new man. He that is in Christ is a new creature. All things are passed away. That man who committed those atrocities is dead and is gone. Praise God. Alright. Do not enable the enemy by keeping habits that create a foothold for him in your life. Ephesians 4.27 If you have any habits that, keep, that gives the enemy a foothold in your life, you deal with it. Hebrews 6.1 talks about the sin that easily besets us. Make up your mind and say, hey, he says, do not give the devil an opportunity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you here, church? Don't give the devil an opportunity. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, pastor is talking to you. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you know that you used to be an alcoholic, don't go near where they are selling drinks. Hmm? Don't give an opportunity. Sir, I used to drink this one before. He said, you don't drink again. He said, you said they have changed this thing. He said, no. He said, just one glass. He said, test it if it's like the former one you used to drink. Hmm? You have an ex. And you have repented. But you can't delete their number. So your moment of weakness. You just call. Sir, I miss your voice. You will soon be missing in action. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, don't give the devil a what? An opportunity. If you know you, you, are, you are somebody who is depressed, eh? when thoughts start coming, don't off the light and cover yourself. On the light, turn up praise music. Be diligent about what? Come on, be diligent. Be proactive. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Take your future serious. The enemy won't want you to get into it. How many of you know that doing right things sometimes can be tough? Hmm? You know to spend money is easy. Let me not use wicked example. To spend money is easy. You know but to save. Eh? You know you can save money for one month. And then in one day, just blow it off. <laughs> Praise God. Don't give the enemy an opportunity. If you keep remembering your past, hmm, I am this way because this is what somebody did to me. You're giving the enemy an opportunity. 
We all don't have to remain in the past. You see, that person that hurt you the most, there's room in your heart to forgive them. There's room in your heart to walk in love. Don't say, this thing you have done to me, I have forgiven you, but in my life, in this my small life, I know the life is not very big. I will not forget. You see, you're stopping your future. God has great plans for you. And let me tell you, by the time God is done with you, you will look back at those things and you just laugh. Why? Because the future is always brighter. The future is always greater. You know, regardless of what we say about Saul today, what do we remember him for? Writing to third of the New Testament. Planting churches. Raising spiritual sons. Being one of the most effective voices that gave authenticity to the Christian faith. Even the people who walked with Jesus naturally didn't do as much as Paul did. Number seven. The future God has for you is enabled as you press into the mark of the high calling. Nothing in your past compared to God's plan for you. Nothing in your past compares to God's plan for you. See, the future God has for you, oh boy, I tell you, it's so great. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. You know, sometimes when God talks to you about your future, you're like, how can I work in it? Don't let that low self-esteem get in the way of your future. Don't let the things you've been through cut you off from the new things. You know, sometimes you might be so conscious of your past, you cannot enjoy the goodness that God is bringing. You cannot just walk in life and enjoy life and flow with what God is bringing. You're so conscious of your past. So conscious of your mistakes. And the enemy has a way of always reminding you, always bringing them. Number eight, create new associations that enable your future, not your past. To be constantly reminded of your past is to live in the past when you are to live in the future. If you have friends who remind you of your past, walk away from them. Don't always have friends who like to talk about the bad things you guys did when you're not born again. I know that you're a Christian now, but that girl, that time, that girl, that year. And every time, they remind you of your past. See, it's time to make new friends. You see, it's time to make friends who do what? Inspire the future. It's time to make friends that when you're around them, you talk about the future. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's time to make friends that when you're together, you're talking about the Word of God. You're talking about revival. You're talking about, you know, the power of God. Building your business. Stop walking with friends who remind you of the childish things you did. And in your mind, say, we just want to refresh memory. Don't refresh bad things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, I know for some of you, it's tough to leave some of your friends. But you have to. Some friends will never, you know. <laughs> I, I read something. You know, someone wrote. He says, uh, people say, um, you know, always hang around your friends. You don't know tomorrow. Then the person says, some friends will not even allow you to see tomorrow. You don't know it, but they won't allow you to say. Listen, listen. I think one of the best decisions I made in my life is to have few quality friends that we only talk about ministry. I don't discuss cars with my friends. I don't discuss shoes with my friends. I don't discuss whatever with my friends. Nothing. Nothing. Just preaching. 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 You know, Pastor Paul said that when he came here to preach, he was working with a Lebanese company. I didn't ask him what he was doing. I didn't ask him how much you were paying him. Nothing. In fact... At a point, he didn't want to be taking my calls because if, I, if I'm talking with him, it's ministry. It's ministry. It's ministry. It's ministry. Because that's where the future is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You need to change your circle of friends. Sometimes the journey can be lonely, but it's worth it. Imagine that Paul preaching the gospel now, his closest friends were people still persecuting the church. What do you think will happen? Why do you think Paul separated himself to the desert of Arabia for three years after he met Jesus? Was to build convictions about his future. You have to have conviction. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to have convictions. You know, when we went for this pastor's conference, we experienced it all the time. We go for the Timothy meetings. People are used to coming late. So we went for this conference. So, you know, the first day they brought me to speak, I was like 15 minutes late. So the guy was taking me to the office. I said, no, I'm not going to the office. We're already late for the meeting. 
So I was like, ah, but just sit in the office. When people are ready, they will come. I said, no, the meeting starts by nine. We're already late. So I went straight. Started preaching. You know, the second day, they made adjustments. The third day, whoa, perfect adjustments. But you know, I could have just gone there and said, okay, it's okay. This is how they behave here. I said, well, this is my meeting. In my meetings, I don't start late. See, you need to have convictions about what you believe and who you are. Have convictions about the Christian faith. Don't, don't be shaky about Jesus. Don't be shaky about the power of God to turn your life around. Number nine, the last one. God's grace is not a license to sin. It's God's overwhelming love to create your future afresh. We're going to read two, two verses of the scripture. Romans chapter 6 verse 1. He said, the grace of God is not so you can sin and say, I'm sorry tomorrow. Sin and say, I'm sorry tomorrow. No. The grace of God is to create your future afresh. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? And Paul says, God, may it never be. Alright, take advantage of the grace of God. Don't let the grace of God be in vain. Tonight can be a brand new night for you. It can be a night where you choose to recreate your future. We all had moments like this. We all had times like this. Tonight can be the night where you make a decision for God. Tonight can be the night where you rededicate your life to God. Tonight can be that night where you say, Lord, I'm done with the world. I'm done. Tonight can be that night where you cut off that relationship that constantly drags you backwards. Tonight can be that night where you choose to follow God. It can be that night. The grace of God is not a license to sin. Romans 6, 1 and Titus 2, 12. The grace of God enables us to live a righteous life. I have no doubt that we are all products of God's grace and God's mercy. But I feel very specially tonight. Can we step on the keyboard? I feel very specially tonight that there is just an overwhelming grace in our meeting tonight. There is an overwhelming grace. There is an overwhelming grace. There is an overwhelming grace. I don't know what aspect of the message is coming in your heart. I'd like us to stand on our feet. Let's sing something. Let's get ready to sing something. I want to pray. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.